The domestic season may be over, but we still have the Champions League and Europa League to come. And Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and much more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the podcast that brings you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. With me as ever, it's the Aston Villa writer for The Athletic, it's Greg Evans. Greg, we can actually have a relaxing podcast for once, no no stress, which is a rarity since we've started doing 1874. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? I'm really looking forward to this one because we haven't had too many where we can just be a little bit positive and have a bit of a laugh together and look back on some good times. So yeah, far away, let's uh, let's have a good one because there's still a little bit of, there's still a part of me though that feels, I can't believe Villa is still a Premier League club. You know, when, when you look back on those final few weeks of the season, you just think, how on earth did they did it? But they did it and we're on to next season, looking forward to it already. Yeah, the new season's obviously creeping around very fast, so there's always going to be stuff to discuss every single week on 1874. A few bits and pieces coming up today. We're going to look at Johan Langer, the man charged with improving Aston Villa's transfer market record. What should be in his inbox? Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? We're going to look at Jack Grealish, as always, as well. His future's always a massive discussion point, so me and Greg are going to talk about that as well. And also, The Athletic is one today. You might have seen that, so we're going to talk about The Athletic's year anniversary as well. So, Greg... Johan Langer, got to admit, I was on holiday when this happened. It, it might not have taken you by surprise, but it did take me by surprise because I'm going to be honest, I don't really know too much about him. But you've done a piece of it on him last week where you discussed him quite heavily and went through his good points, the pros and the cons. If you haven't read that, you can go back and have a look at that now. The Athletic's got a free trial for 30 days at the moment. All you need to do is go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you can try us out without paying a penny. I read your piece. It gave me some useful information, Greg. Tell me more. Yeah, really interesting appointment. 40 years old, comes from Copenhagen. The The biggest difference of Villa is that he, his task will not be simply to sign young players and then move them on quickly for bigger, um, you know, for more money, for, for bigger profits. That was his job at Copenhagen. Obviously, a club outside of the top five big European leagues, it's much more difficult for them to compete and to be regularly competitive in European football. At Copenhagen, they've played 13 out of the last 14 Champions League campaigns, uh, we, you know, which is an incredible achievement for, for them. But Langer's job initially was, he was the assistant manager for Wolverhampton Wanderers alongside Stoller yeah. Solbakken. I covered Wolves back at the time in, in my previous job and I have to admit, I mean, it's very bad on my point, but I can't really remember him, but uh, <laughs> I certainly, never, never I certainly didn't. No, no, I certainly didn't speak to him. Um, it, it was obviously Solbakken who did all the, the media work. Um, but yeah, he, he was very young at the time, only 32 years old. So... His background, he was initially a school teacher, um, moved into football and, and, and did his coaching badges when he was in his like when he was in his twenties, qualified from there and, and, and then linked up with, with Solbakken at Copenhagen, moved to Wolves, moved back to Copenhagen, but then became the technical director there. So speaking to people who have known him and who work with him. Uh, hearing very good things. I have to admit the appointment come as a bit of a surprise to me. I, I, I was told that Villa were going to make an appointment quite quickly. I didn't expect it to be that quick and I, 
I wanted a couple of days off, to be honest, Dan, <laughs> because the season had got very busy. And I thought, oh, here we go. That's typical Villa, isn't it? The season ends and then they, and then they appoint a sporting director two or three days later. There's just no rest for this reporter, is there? But anyway, um, the, the, his brief will, will be to support Dean Smith in the transfer market. The way the two of them will work is Dean Smith will obviously have some of his targets uh, already lined up. Ollie Watkins is top of that striker list. I now know that. It will be the job of Langer to recommend other players now and hopefully unearth some gems that, that Smith might not have known about. When it comes to deciding which player is actually signed, it will be it will be a decision between the two of them. They'll look at the pros and cons and, and then they'll come they'll come to a decision between them. And obviously Christian Perslow will feed into that. It used to be known as the triangle of power. Previously it was it was Suso and Smith feeding into Perslow. It's the same sort of set up now but just with a slightly you know with a new man a new face in there so how it will work is Smith and Langer will, will decide on the targets and then when it comes to the real nuts and bolts of the deal putting it all together and sorting out the financials Perslow will come in and, and, and hopefully get the job done I was going to ask you with this triangle do you think anything any element of that at all will change because I've got to be honest at times it felt a little bit of, of a mess a bit like too many cooks in the kitchen now I know most football clubs will operate in this way. Now there's been a few pieces in The Athletic about Everton and how, how their transfer structure works. It sounds very similar to Villa, but what, what is there going to be any differences in how Villa approach things now with the new man in charge instead of Sousa? The actual setup, no, but there will, there will obviously be changes because towards in the last transfer window, for example, Perslow was becoming much more heavily involved with sort of selecting the players and, and putting the deals together. And, and he. it's my understanding that he doesn't want to. He didn't want to be getting that much involved. It was just because the relationship with Suso had broken down. I think that Villa had looked at some of the signings that they had made in the previous transfer window and felt that that approach wasn't working, although they all agreed on it. And Perslow decided that, along with Smith, that they, that Villa needed experienced Premier League players in, in the last window. And that's why the likes of Danny Drinkwater and Pepe Reina came in. The striker situation was a little bit different. There was There was no real funds available to go and to go and spend on a big striker and you know Samata was probably one of the only ones available on the market that could be signed for for under 10 million pound and you know they managed to get that done as I as I wrote just before the the end just before the season finished there was about six or seven players that, that Villa went for tried to get them on loan but they didn't come in for various reasons you know you can have a read of, of that story in full at the Athletic because it fully goes through the difficulties that Villa had facing uh, buying a striker but yeah Look, the, the, key, the key for Villa is to, to have that triangle of power all cohesive and, and working after singing off the same hymn sheet you know working in the direct same same direction and sort of all believing in one another it felt like towards the end um, of last season that it just become a bit fractious do you think that Suso actually did that bad a job he's kind of been the fall guy but do you think what he did his work was that bad when you look at the being 140 million pounds to spend and the sheer volume of players that Villa had to get in do you think he was that bad? No, not necessarily. I think he, I think he's become a bit of a scapegoat, to be honest. And I don't like to pin it all down to one to one no. man. I think it, I think it's unfair, really. I think in times of of triumph, the whole team should celebrate and 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 each take the credit for it. But also in times of adversity and when it doesn't quite go to plan, 
each member should shoulder a responsibility of the blame equally as well. So yes, recruitment could have been a little bit better, but at the same time, there will be areas of Dean Smith's management style that he probably will know that he should have done better. There will be areas that Christian Perslow will probably think that he could have improved on during last season, and yeah. and, and also the players on the pitch as well. You know, there were times where where they could have been better. So I just feel that nailing it down to and saying that recruitment was bad is a little bit unfair because there were five or six players that Suso and Smith put put forward as well that Villa didn't sign um and you know what imagine imagine what imagine what might have happened had those players came Calvin Phillips for example was a player yeah. that, that that the two of them wanted uh, Ben Rama and Ollie Watkins were both players that were put forward that they were negotiated, the deals were negotiated, but they never got them over the line. Um, Webster as well at Bristol City was another one. He, he went to Brighton and, and obviously Neil Morpai. But yeah, it, it was a tough, it was a tough transfer window, I think, for Villa last season. I think it was, it, it was really difficult to mould all the players together to bring so many in. Um, you know, we've discussed this many times on the pod, haven't mm-hmm. we? That maybe they didn't need to buy so many players and they could have passed possibly kept on a few from last season and just focus more on quality over quantity. But at the end of the day, there, there are some good signings in there. I think Douglas Louise is turning out to be a very good player. Konza looks a, a snipper yeah. at, at what they paid. Trezeguet, although he's had a hit and miss season, he's come up with the goods at, right at the end when he's needed to. And let's not forget, Villa got there in the end. OK, it was it couldn't have got any closer, but they got there and, you know, those are the players that those are the players that did it. So he, I think Suso deserves a, a bit of praise at the same time. Back to Langer for, for a little bit. Do you think Villa will kind of raid the Scandinavian market a little bit now with him in charge? I know that's a bit of a lazy thing for me to say, but I always associate Villa with having good Scandinavian players. And I like it when we've got a Scandinavian man in defence and, th- and things like that. Do you think that's a market that Villa will explore now? Well, I think it's an area that Langer will probably know better than than some of the people than, than the, some of the some of the staff at Villa. So that'll be an area that they could look to exploit. Yeah. Villa have always had a Scandinavian scout, so um, you know that they, they, they monitor the area closely. But yeah, Langer will know the will know the market better than most. It, look, it's his job to try and get a couple of youngsters in. Um, maybe to, to to boost the development team as well. Whether they come from the Scandinavian market, we'll see. But more importantly, he's he, he's got a he's got to identify players that that will come into that Villa team and strengthen straight away. It's not about getting young players that can move on for more money. It's about getting quality players in that will make Villa better straight away. They don't want to they don't want to be signing players and, and quickly spinning them out to other clubs. They want they want to no. sign the players and for them to for them to star for Villa and then if an even bigger club comes in for example and has to you know offer ridiculous amounts of money to sign them then so be it you know that they'll get to that stage when it comes but the priority is trying to make Villa better first yeah I think I kind of feel like Langer might come in and he might raid the the young Scandinavian market for, for people to come into the academy and things like that I think that's going to be yeah. a real worthwhile avenue to explore but it, it's going to be interesting anyway I mean it sounds exciting, but then I remember reading about Suso and he sound, sounded exciting when he came in. So I guess guess time will tell. But it's good that they've made the appointment quickly because there's there's a lot of work to do as Villa need to improve because we need to have a better season than, than we did last season. So let's go on to, to Watkins now. It was quite interesting watching the Brentford game last night because I, I really wanted them to go up because I like them as a football club. But there's part of me as well thinking, well, we might actually be after a couple of their players, so it might help us if they don't. Did you watch the game last night? I've watched the highlights back and yeah, I don't think Watkins and Ben Rama had a very good game, did they, to be honest? But I think over the over the course of the season, a pair of them have shown what they're made of. And 
you know, Watkins has got 26 goals in 50 games. I mean, that's yeah. that's, a, that's that's an incredible record, I think. And it'll be an improvement on what Villa have currently got. And I think he's a proven goal scorer already in my eyes. I mean, that goal scoring record that you just alluded to, that's pretty much identical to Tammy Abraham's record in the championship for Villa, isn't it? So I don't yeah. think we can be scoffing at, at players like that. I've seen a few Villa fans on social media saying, oh, he didn't, didn't play very well. I'm not sure whether whether we want him, but I don't remember Tammy having a great game in the playoff final, if I'm being perfectly honest, and we'd have absolutely snapped your hand off to get him in for, for last season. So his goal scoring record's there for, for everyone to see. The thing that confuses me is, is that we needed a player that can play wide or up front last summer. So why didn't we get him last summer, Greg? Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. Again, you know, he was a player that was put forward. Um, Smith liked him. And it's my understanding that there, there were talks held with Brentford, but it was just decided that, that Villa wouldn't go down that route. I think it, I think they could have got him for £10 million. But, um, you know, they decided to move for other, other players instead. So... Look, you know, if they can get him this season, in it's gonna it's gonna cost them more, obviously. But if he can come in and, and hit the ground running, then I think it, you know it might have been worth the wait, maybe. You always give me good info, but most of the time when you give me information, it baffles me. So because I, I just can't understand why, if we didn't think it was good good business for half half the money or, or whatever last last summer, we're now gonna gonna have to pay double. Just get him in, get him in last season because he, he would have been really useful to us. But what about what about Ben Rama? What, what do you think is going on with him? Because he's the one that's probably been linked more heavily over the past the past year, really, hasn't he? Yeah, again, look, you know, Villa thought they'd signed him on transfer deadline day last summer. They were confident that they were going to get it done, but Brentford wouldn't budge in their asking price. So they, they just weren't able to get that over the line. It was another one that sort of slipped away right at the end. I think he's had a brilliant season. He's a player that I absolutely love watching. He always seems to just be able to produce some some magic from nowhere and I wrote a story about him and, and I looked through all his clips and all of his all of his goals and all of his best bits throughout the past few seasons and, and he's just something that's completely different to Villa. I think what I liked about him is he gets the ball on the halfway and he and he, and he can turn so quickly and just turn yeah, um, that's what I standard passage of play into a into an attack, you know, within with literally within seconds and he he's he's just got that direct approach. He's so skillful that he will he will really entertain. What Brentford were doing so well with him when they were in their real good form was that the goalkeeper would look for him in particular to start like, as counter-attacks really quickly. And, yeah. and more often than not, you'd find Brentford would have three or four players often on three defenders and then that's where they'd get their goals. And Ben Rama was obviously the chief creator and, and, and got a lot of goals himself as well. So, yeah, look, he, he's somebody that Villa want Troy to get um, he's going to be worth considerably more now. So whether Villa will want to pay that money, don't know the exact fee, but it's going to be it's going to be quite a lot more. And just from what I'm hearing, Watkins has now taken over Ben Rama in terms of you know popularity amongst the Villa ranks and, and who they want the most. But whether they get the two or not, I don't know. But if you know, if I had to say they're going to get one of them, it's it'd be Watkins for me at the moment. Yeah, it's quite quite interesting, isn't it? Obviously, we. Are- Dean Smith's work with these players, so to me, it's a no-brainer to try and get them both in because Dean Smith knows how to make them tick and knows how to get the best out of them. Ben Rahm is just—he's one of those players that I think he's just electric. He picks up the ball and he, he just goes. He, he doesn't yeah, even have to brilliant. break stride when he when he picks up the ball. I, I'd quite like to see Watkins and um, um, Ben Rama, but is there is there any other targets that you know about Greg so moving away from Brentford and Belgium, which seems to be Villa's, Villa's cheap <laughs> way of operating? Any, anything anyone else we should be looking out for? Just before we move away from those two, I think Villa are not trying to emulate the Brentford model in terms of the players that they sign in, but I think they've noticed that you can buy players if you if you really do your do your homework and do your scouting and get that absolutely 
absolutely right. You can get players like Ben Rama for one and a half million from France and, and other yeah. countries and turn them into stars. Um, I think more than ever, the recruitment is key this season for Villa. They've got to get it right. They've it's been too many years that we've talked that we've spoke about recruitment not being right. I think it's just it's just time for them to maybe start thinking a little bit differently um, and trying to get some of these some of these bargains in. I mean, they were able to get John McGinn for two point seven five million. That there are players out there, they've just got yeah. to find them. Yeah, in terms of other targets, you know, Villa are looking at possibly a couple of full, but one one full back maybe, maybe a new left back, maybe a new right back. Um, potentially, that they want to just add a bit more pace to the team. There's no pace currently in that team, and obviously they're you know they're looking at the they're looking at the striker issue as well. But things might change if Jack Grealish leaves, and uh, I think we're going to talk about that a bit more now, aren't we? Well, we, we will come on to Jack. Don't rush your head, Greg. Let's not let's not work too fast. We've got some other things that we need to talk about as well. Because I can ask you about outgoings, because there's a few players we, we need to shift. There's players earning relatively decent money that probably aren't going to get a game and haven't got a game all season. Is that it's going to be difficult to move some of them on? I think. But is there anyone who you've got an inkling that might be leaving? Well, Nakamba is he's been linked with uh, a move to to Turkey. We'll, we'll have to wait and see whether whether that one evolves. Um, you know, Turkish clubs always seem to be linked with with players in the Premier League, don't they? So yeah. you never really know what to believe on that. But th- there will there will be some changes. I think that. Villa will probably look at the the 12, 13 players that they brought in and think, you know, which ones do we really need or which ones do we don't? I'd say that the two that would maybe fit into that category would probably be in the Canberra and Samata, wouldn't they? I mean, those are the two that just haven't yeah. really quite done it for, for Villa. And you just think if they're going to be really ruthless and think that they really do need to kick on next season, are the two of them going to be heavily involved? I don't know. I think the Canberra could still turn into, you know, a decent player for Villa. I don't know, and and Samara, I just I didn't see enough of him towards the the uh, well post lockdown. So I think I think it'd be quite harsh to to judge him on just six months uh, at the club, especially with with three of those being in lockdown. But maybe he gets another six months at the club and see where see where he goes from there. But there are players that Villa do need to move on, aren't there? You know, Henry Lansbury now he's not doing anything for Villa. He hasn't for some time. He's probably one that yeah. needs to move on. James Bray obviously spent the season on loan at Luton. Another one that 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 they'll look to shift. There's just a couple more, isn't there? If they're gonna if they're gonna buy three or four players, it's obvious that a couple will move on as well. If you like beer, you're definitely going to like free beer. And as a valued listener, we'd like to give you just that. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 and cover just the postage of £4.95. You've got to pay the poster. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of 1874, you'll get two free extra beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they're the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and much more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. And as an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time, the power's in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and beery snacks all thrown in as well, just to top it off. Don't like dark beers? Then choose the light plan. It's easy. Just go to www.beer52.com slash 1874 to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, 1874 listeners get two extra free beers. 
Yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer. The thing that I'm quite excited about this summer is that I think we'll spend a similar amount to, to what we did a year ago. But that, that's got to be spread across maybe four or five players rather than 11, 12, 13. I can't remember how many we, we bought in last summer. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's money there, but they're going to be able to spread the money out better and buy better quality. And I think if we get four or five good players in, I think we'll be okay because there, there is the basis of a good team if we can hold on to everyone. You think of how good Louise has been, who I've obviously slated at times, but he's completely won me over. He's been, been unbelievable. John McGinn, Mings, and then the big one. Jack Grealish, they managed to hold on to him as well, which, again, I've kind of turned around now, and I'm kind of thinking, I think he might stay. But you, you probably know more than me, Greg, so come on, let's tell me. If you look at the Villa team post-lockdown, and, and you look at the results, um, you know, they were the third-hardest team to score against, with only yeah. Wolves and, and Man United ahead of them. So if you think of the way Villa finished the season and the results that they got, the, the base is there, the platform is there. They, if they had a goal scorer and maybe a, a pacey, skillful winger I think that's a mid-table team already you know yeah. but the key is keeping Grealish you know you've got to have Grealish in that team if if Jack Grealish leaves it's a, it's for me it's a, it's a complete rebuild again because I don't personally think that Villa will be able to sign anybody that can replace him I, I, just, no I just I just don't see it I don't see who they could buy for the money that, that to replace him so losing him would be a massive backward step for Villa we've had this conversation week after week haven't we we're still waiting for a club to come in for him to actually firm up their interest with a formal offer and unless they meet the valuation that Villa have of him which is around £80 million Villa aren't even going to consider selling him it might even get to the stage where they say we're not going to sell him. They've done this before, the owners, uh, when, when Tottenham came calling. They could potentially offer him a new deal, um, increase his wages, give him the promise that they're going to sign much better players and that next season will be more comfortable. And things could change. Jack Grealish could end up staying, but I just think he wants to go and win trophies somewhere. I think that he believes he's good enough to play in an elite club now. And if that elite club comes in for him, then he'll be interested in moving. Well, he's already won the Cup of Traditions at Aston Villa, Greg, so don't, don't forget about that. That was that was a, <laughs> literally a big trophy, wasn't it? That was an absolute joke when they won that pre-season tournament. But I, as I said, I've kind of come round to the idea that I think he's... He might stay now because the transfer market's a funny place, and I kind of I kind of disregarded this when I've been saying for weeks that I think he'll he'll end up going. Man, you are trying to put together a big package for Sancho at the moment, and they're they're kind of struggling to deal with it. I don't think they're going to be able to get Sancho and Grealish for me. I think there's only one of them that can come in there, and it seems like Sancho's the priority. I don't think Villa will mess around towards the end of the window. You've spoke about the owners and the way they operate. Villa aren't going to let it get to, to two weeks with the window left, and then suddenly just sell Jack Grealish. So if it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen early. And he's got three years left in his contract at the end of the day. We're still a Premier League team now, which again was something I wasn't really expecting. So I think he might end up staying and hopefully may even get some money thrown at him and get a new deal. I've just completely changed my opinion of what I think might happen, as I do quite readily. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, we all want him to stay, don't we? It'd be absolutely brilliant if yeah. he stays at Villa. And then, you know, we all go into the next season thinking this could be a really good season for Villa. You know, you start to become really excited again. Um, and you th just imagine if Villa got a couple of really quality players in and around him. As I've just said, I, I feel that, that that team could be a mid-table team, um, you know, comfortably and, and, and could kick on. You, you just don't want to lose him 
late on, as you say, that could be an issue for Villa because they then would have to rebuild. But I think, look, in the back of their minds, they're going to know. They, I mean, look, they, they know, don't they? They know that there's interest elsewhere and that yeah. he could potentially leave. It's just whether one of these clubs comes in and, and pays the money. Arsenal are not going to come in and, and spend, the, you know, 70, 80 or million for him. Absolutely no way they're going to pay that. Tottenham, the same. Chelsea are looking at other targets. Man City, Man United, you know, those are the two that you think maybe he, he, could, he could come and fit in or maybe there's an option abroad for him. Yeah, that's the thing. I just, if it's not Manu, which I kind of, I kind of feel like Manu have changed since their initial interest as well. They're, they're a different kind of outfit. Like, I think he's good enough to play in their team, don't get me wrong, but there's not a natural space for him in that side now, especially with Fernandez coming in and doing so well, looking like Pogba's going to stay. I just can't see where, where he's going to end up. So to me at the moment, I, I make Villa... Odds on to keep him. That, that that's the way I see it at the moment. But I know football's a funny game, and, and things can suddenly change in two weeks. But he's not the type that will will cause trouble and force a move either because of his love for the club. So I, I kind of feel now like Villa are actually in a in a really strong position to keep him, and and fingers crossed they do manage to. Yeah, as I say, you know, we all want him to stay. Let's hope they can. Villa will certainly be a much stronger team if with Jack Grealish in that team next season. Hey everyone, James Richardson here from the Totally Football Show. Listen, 11 months on, we're finally getting to the best bit of this football season because the Champions League and Europa League are about to restart at the sharp end. Last eight knockout tournaments await in Portugal and Germany and we'll be following both competitions with special nightly podcasts every single match day, ready for you to download first thing in the morning. So have your breakfast with Honigstein, Horncastle, Cox, Gurionov and all your other totally favourites and me as we wave goodbye to this epic footballing year in style. Our daily Totally Summer Special is available on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. And of course, you can also listen to it ad-free on The Athletic app. So Greg, The Athletic is one today. Happy birthday to The Athletic UK. It's, it's, it's a big day. I actually remember the day that it all came out. I remember I subscribed on day one. Obviously, having no idea that I was going to end up being being involved in it, I subscribed to it. I read, I read your first piece. I, th- I thought it was good, and then I become involved, and then the time's absolutely flown by, and I still have to pinch myself really that, that I'm a part of it. I'm really grateful to be a, a tiny cog in such a, a great organisation. But what's the year at the Athletic been like for you, Greg? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's, it's quite hard to put it into words, really, because I, I genuinely feel blessed to, to, to work for this company and to be able to do my job the way I do. It's just it's it's brilliant, really. You know, I've, I've, I've had so many highlights throughout this season where I've been to places and met people and, and produced stories that I wouldn't have previously. Just been able to just given the freedom, really, to, to be able to come up with some of my own ideas and, and put them, you know, and execute them. And then also work with a brilliant team who, who have helped me through as well. And, you know, I've really enjoyed the podcasts that wasn't that was something I wasn't doing previously as well in a small tiny tiny way Dan I've enjoyed working with you you must have enjoyed the trip to Marbella that we had Greg that was a, that was a lovely time off to see Thomas Hitzelsberger at the Stuttgart training camp you must have enjoyed that <laughs> that was a good time yeah I, I did enjoy that I mean that, that that was one that was actually one of the highlights really just just spending a bit of time with Thomas Hitzelsberger and seeing how he runs Stuttgart and then obviously Stuttgart got promoted you know it was yeah. just a really, really nice story wasn't it and um, good to get a bit of winter sun on our backs wasn't it yeah, I mean, you could say we inspired them to promotion, but that would probably be <laughs> completely false. What, what, what have been your favourite pieces that you've done over the last year? Because you've had to select one to go to go free, free to free to view. I guess is the is the term that, that anyone can go and read at the moment. So, what, first off, what's the one you've chosen, and then what what is your, what is your favourite pieces yeah. that you've done? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. The, the one I chose was quite topical, really, because I just thought that because Dean Smith has just obviously saved Aston Villa, and um, I think that he deserves huge credit for for Villa staying up. I took a real deep dive into finding what finding out what it was like really to work for Dean Smith and spoke to multiple players from from Warsaw, Brentford, and and obviously Villa, and you know, James Chester and Ezri Konza helped me out, and and Mila Yedinak, as you know, you know we did the interview together, didn't we, with him? Um, yeah, and. Uh, it's just about basically what it's like to play for Dean Smith you know what the mornings are like when when you go into Bodymore Heath what he's like when he's down um, what his team talks are like and and you can read all that for free so um, that wasn't actually one of my favourite stories believe it or not it was just just more of a topical one I mean one of my favourite ones still to this day was was meeting up with the Punjabi villains before the Tottenham game I I absolutely love that day and it's because of the food yeah, and I didn't eat with them. Um, oh, but okay. they said they said to me, they said, "Oh, you've got to come out. You got to, you know, we'll have a mixed grill after because that's that's their tradition. They go and have, um, yeah, they good go for a few beers. Oh, they're they're brilliant. You know, a couple of beers before the game, um, go and enjoy the game, and then uh, go and have a mixed grill later. I mean, that that's my kind of day. I'm, I'm all up for that. But um, it just so happened that that was the last game that fans were allowed into Villa Park as well, wasn't it? The Tottenham game. Um, yeah. So, so maybe I've maybe that's the reason I've got such good memories of it. But I met some really interesting people as well. You know, to, to go to go and spend the day with Gerard Julio in in his home in Paris. Um, oh, yeah, what sure. incredible! What an incredible house he has, by the way. Um, <laughs> I can know, imagine <laughs> overlooking Roland Garros and the uh, the Eiffel Tower in the background. Oh, it's just just amazing. But. He was a really interesting guy, as you say, Hitzelsberger. Sometimes as a writer, you look back on some of your stories and you've, that you've written and you think, I could have put more into that or I could have approached it differently. But at the same time, every writer will tell you that they know when they've really nailed a story. And and the one that particularly comes to mind was the was the one about Hugo Echiog. So it was actually yeah, my first lo- lockdown Zoom call with uh, Hugo's wonderfully named brother Yuzo um, and uh, oh, you know he, he was brilliant because he, he gave me all the time a day really and, and just went through what life was like with, with, with Hugo growing up and I found myself close to tears at time when he, times when he was talking about like the tough upbringing in London how Hugo and his big move to Villa and what he had planned at, at Tottenham with the under 23s and having also spoken to other people in the game I've got absolutely no doubt in my mind that he would have gone on to become a really good manager in his own right as well. Probably something I would have never never done or thought of previously. And uh, t- to do things like that has, has been really enjoyable this year. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest, Hugo is one of my all-time favourites. So I, I think about him quite a lot generally, day to day. Not not many days go past, actually, where, where I don't think about him. But you talk about nailing the stories, and it's fair to say I've, I've read every single one, mate. You have you have nailed <laughs> a fair fair few stories. We're just waiting for you to nail a podcast, and then, then we'll be good to go. <laughs> Uh, I've got no comeback for that I don't even know what to say (laughs) so I think that does us for today Greg thanks ever so much for joining me as per usual really enjoyed it actually had a good laugh today which is a rarity on an Aston Villa podcast and thanks to everyone for listening as well and for listening through through the season because it has been tough at times we're not going anywhere though there's going to be plenty of podcasts coming up so we'll be back soon for another edition of 1874 take care and up the villa